0: Man, isn't it good to be together and worship the Lord, right? Yes, that's right. You know, the Psalms say it's okay to shout and to lift your hands and to get a little bit excited (laughs) to worship together. You know, sometimes it's funny, um, you'll see folks, and I think it's okay, you can have, it's all about the posture of your heart, right? But sometimes we just don't seem like we're all that excited to be here, (laughs) But it is good to be here and to hear from God through his word today. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, find Genesis 39. Genesis 39, continue in our study through the life of Joseph. I uh, will encourage you, if this has uh, been sort of a three-year journey through the book of Genesis, all of the past sermons are online. We talked about on our life group. We've actually got uh, a family here going back and listening to all of those. And I said, man, You are blessed, right? But uh, on a serious note, on a serious note, uh, feel free if you and your family are ever looking to dive into anything. We've got resources on our website, sermons and things to go back through to help you grow uh, in your knowledge and maybe to catch up uh, on some of the things we've been looking at here in the book of Genesis. But Genesis chapter 39, we'll read the whole chapter together. This is the word of God. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Jacob's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eye on Joseph and said, "'Lie with me.' But he refused and said to his master's wife, "'Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge.'" He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men, of her household and said to them, "See, he has brought us he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice, and as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story saying, the Hebrew servant whom you have bought, brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. And as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard these words that his wife spoke to him, this, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave favor in the sight of the keeper of the house. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever he was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. This is the word of God. What does success look like? Maybe you've got a picture in your mind of success. And in 2019, Business Insider, which is a magazine website, featured 50 of the most successful people in the world. And let's look at a few of these who made the list of the 50 most successful people in the world. First, we've got this guy. That's a Mark Mark Zuckerberg. You may or may not know that. That's founder and CEO of Facebook. And it's the magazine that said this. The magazine Called him the most brilliant mind of our generation. And I'm gonna say, because I'm streaming on Facebook, I don't disagree, I guess, right? <laughs> they're, they're streaming here, right? I don't wanna get taken down. He's currently 37 and worth probably more than all of us put together, plus some, right? Here we got number two. Here is Taylor Swift, T. Swift, right? Singer, songwriter, estimated net worth of $320 million. Shoo, <laughs> right? 32 years old and one of the highest paid celebrities in the world. And finally, we got Tom Brady. Love him, hate him. I was kind of wondering if I was going to get some booze for, for that one. But uh, quarterback, love him or hate him. Certainly the guy's got, uh, got some success. Behind him, right? There's some folks that are really upset about that. That's okay. What do all these three people have in common? They've got influence, recognizable names and faces. They certainly have wealth. And by all worldly standards, these folks are successful. And yet Genesis 39 wants to show us that true success doesn't require you to have a penthouse. You can have true success while in prison. Three times in this passage, verse 2, verse 3, and verse 23, we see that it was the Lord who caused Joseph to succeed. And this came in the midst of incredible suffering. The world has deceived you to believe that you only succeed when things are going good in your life. Whereas the scripture says there's actually a way to succeed even when you're in the pit. There's a way to succeed even while you suffer. And we begin to realize that God isn't primarily concerned about giving you a fat bank account or giving you millions of TikTok followers or making you a household name. Here's what God wants. True success is faithfulness wherever God has you. True success is faithfulness wherever God has you. And in Joseph's case here, he's in suffering. If you remember, his brothers hated him, sold him into slavery. And we don't often give that trip a lot of thought, do we? It's kind of jumped over really quick. Look at verse 1. You know, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of the guard of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites and had brought him down there. And we, it really jumps over the trip, but this trip was not easy. Psalm 105 reflects on Joseph's life. And here's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said this, His feet, so these are Joseph, were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron. We've got to remember, he's brought down in chains. Brought and brought down like property and bought like property. And yet even in the midst of this, the Lord caused him to succeed. Look back, Genesis 39 verse 2. We see this. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Jacob's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. Because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Here we see Joseph thriving in suffering. So many people often say, well, because of where you come from, you'll never succeed. Friends, Joseph proves you wrong. He's succeeding in the midst of slavery, in the midst of servanthood. And and we see that it's the Lord who did it. And how do we succeed in the midst of suffering? What does this look like for us? What does it mean to be faithful to God when things are uncertain? Here's the first thing we see. To be successful when we suffer means that we don't fret, we fear God. The first thing we've got to do is not fret, but fear God. Let me begin by saying so many times we actually make our suffering worse because we act out of a fear of man or a fear of circumstances rather than the fear of God. And Joseph was a man who feared the Lord. This is clear throughout the passage. We know first that Joseph was a man who listened to and meditated on God's word. Now, Joseph probably didn't have a Bible like this, right? Moses is writing the book of Genesis after Joseph's life. But Joseph was a man who we know to be very sensitive to and careful to study what God said to him, right? Recall two weeks ago in chapter 37, Joseph received these dreams from God and and had a gift of interpreting them. And we'll actually see Joseph interpret more dreams in the chapters ahead. And these interpretations, I think, came from Joseph meditating on and reflecting on who God is and what he has revealed and what these dreams said. He really lived out what Proverbs chapter 3 describes, Joseph did not, he trusted in the Lord with all his heart and did not lean on his own understanding. In all his ways, he acknowledged him, and God made his path straight. He wasn't wise in his own eyes, but he feared the Lord and turned away from evil. Joseph feared God by knowing his word. Joseph's actually a good picture of the Psalm 1 man. Here's what Psalm 1 describes. Psalm 1 says, blessed Is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, meditation isn't the sort of thing, the yoga, you sit on the mat, you empty your mind, you just hum, right? He says, you fill your mind, you chew on it. And he said that the one who meditates on the law of the Lord is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Joseph prospered because he feared God and he feared God because he knew his word and he loved the God revealed to him. Joseph prospered in all that he did because he sought to do it God's way. And this doesn't mean we often hear prosper. And again, we think money, influence. And that wasn't what made Joseph prosper. It was because he worked unto the Lord. He brought the best that he could to all that he did. In fact, look later, there's a, the Lord says to Joshua, who's the successor to Moses, something very similar in Jos in Joshua's life. Look at Joshua 1.8. We see this. We see um giving instructions here to Joshua as he takes over the mantle as the leader of the people of God. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So what does all this mean for us? This means for us, we must be people of the book. If we desire to succeed in the midst of suffering, we need to know God's word, to study it, to meditate on it, to fill our minds with it, and then to seek to do it. Joseph was careful to meditate and to practice to know, to love, and to do, to have the head knowledge, the heart affection, and the hands and feet to get to work. To live according to God's word caused his way to prosper even in the midst of slavery. See, Joseph could have shriveled up in despair and given up on life. Many of us probably would have been tempted to do something like that, right? But he buckles down, pursues God, and does his Now, I don't think this meant this was easy for Joseph. I think Joseph likely had nights full of tears and regret, but that he woke up the next morning, washed his face, and walked forward in faith founded on God's word. In your suffering, yes, it is good to mourn, but friends, don't fret, fear not, fear the Lord. In fact, the question we have to consider is whom do we fear? Because in our suffering, what you you fear becomes real. It becomes far more clear when you're in the pit. It becomes far more clear when things are uncertain. And this is why we must seek the Lord in all of our life. So many of us were tempted to go, well, I'm going to seek the Lord when things go bad, but things are going pretty good right now. I think I'll just sort of... Seek him a little harder when I need him. But friends, no, 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 We shouldn't wait for the day when things get rough. We should go ahead and begin to store up the knowledge of God now for when the days get dark. To not fret, but to fear the Lord. And that begins with studying his word, meditating upon it. This is foundational for Joseph, and it should be foundational for us. Because of what he knew about God, he was able to stand firm in his work and also stand firm in the temptation of Potiphar's wife. Look down at verse 9 at the very end there, what uh, what Joseph says to her. He says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? This was a man who feared the Lord and knew that what the Lord said was more important than what might happen to him by saying no this woman, And consider he did it without even having a Bible in front of him. (laughs) He knew God because he'd been told about God from generations, from others, and he knew him through these dreams he received, and he was careful to meditate on that, and we must meditate upon the Word of God. How do we succeed while we suffer? First, we don't fret, but we fear God. Second, we succeed while we suffer when we don't indulge, but live with integrity. Don't indulge, but live with integrity. Folks, Joseph was a man of integrity. Consider, this might sound very basic to you, but chapter 39 comes after chapter 38. Right? Seems very basic. But consider what happened last week in chapter 38. Right, You had Judah falling for the immorality with Tamar, and here we see now Joseph standing firm in the temptation of Potiphar's wife. Do you see the contrast that's there? Joseph shows himself to be a man of integrity even while in slavery, while, while Judah seemed to have it all in the Vegas of the day, and yet was living in abject and complete immorality and rebellion to God. Let's look closer at what happens between Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Look at the end of verse 6. Here's what we see. End of verse 6 says, Now Joseph was a handsome man in form and appearance. In other words, the same words are used to describe Joseph mo- Joseph's mom. So in other words, he looks like her. He's one of those guys you could see his mom and see him and go, Okay, they're related. We know, right? And then look what happens. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, "'Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God?' And as she spoke to Joseph day by day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Now this is integrity. He knew that to fulfill her request was not only to sin against his boss who'd been good to him, but to sin against God. And consider the temptation that's before him. First notice Potiphar's wife comes only asking him to lie down next to her. Hey, come, come hang out with me on the couch, Joseph. We're just going to watch some Netflix and hang out, right? We're just going to—and and we all know that she's asking for more than that, though, right? We all know she's, she's wanting something a little bit more from Joseph. And this should tell us that sin is often like a snowball at the top of a hill, And friends, it looks very insignificant, but once it begins to be pushed downhill, friends, you've got something that builds over time and can become an avalanche in your life. What is small will multiply? So consider that. Be careful. Even in the smallest compromise can have massive impacts on your life. Consider, second, how easy it would have been for Joseph to get away with this. Who really would have known? I mean, they could have kept it a secret. And honestly, he might have even had some leverage over his boss's wife here. But he knew something our culture hasn't quite figured out. And it is that what makes sin, sin, isn't what other people will think of you. And isn't even if it harms another person. It is what God says it is. And he knew that while no one on earth might know, heaven would see and heaven would know All and friends, it's the same with you. You can fool everyone here, but you can't fool God. He sees what you do in your free time, even when no one else might be looking. And third, consider Joseph's current situation was threatened. He's gone from slavery and he's got a pretty sweet gig here, doesn't he? Working for Potiphar, he has all his needs met. He's living in the penthouse, he's in the place of trust. And he's putting that all on the line when he says no. Joseph had the choice between fearing man or trusting God. And his decision really models Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, which tells us this. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Joseph knew there that him trusting the Lord and doing the right thing here, he would ultimately be safe even as he descended from the penthouse to the prison. He was safe in the trust of the Lord. And here's the warning to you. Hear this. Sin will often make itself look like resistance isn't safe or sensible. It will often make itself look like it is the best or the only option. And friends, there will be things in your life that you know are sin and know are wrong that will call you to risk what you love and what you value to have something you supposedly need. And you'll end up getting something you don't even want or giving up what you truly wanted in order to have something that really wasn't all that great. And verse 10 tells us that she came to Joseph over and over again. And Joseph continued to refuse. And verse 11 picks up and tells us of a particular time she came to him while everyone was away. And look what happened. Verse 11. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there, there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. See the warning. There are times sin will catch you by surprise. And the best solution is just to flee. Get out of there. Leave the coat and run. You can buy a new one. Sin is not to be played with or argued with. It is to be fled from. You know, there are so many times people, that maybe they've got... Uh, a sin to looking at things on the internet they're not supposed to do, and they sit there and they pray, God, help me with my temptation while the phone is right here. (laughs) Have you ever thought putting that out in the car for the night and locking your car and going inside might be the best option? Or or they're like, man, I just can't stop watching things on the TV I'm not supposed to watch. I'm like, and they're sitting there with the TV on and the remote in their hand going, I just can't resist. (laughs) I'm like, Maybe turning the TV off and going to the back room where one isn't and opening up your Bibles. Maybe sometimes we try to have a theological argument with sin. And friends, we lose every time because the devil's a far better arguer than you are. He will win the argument every single time. The solution is to flee. And Joseph does the right thing, he is a man of integrity. He is, as we've been learning on Wednesday nights, a kingdom man, isn't he? One that stands firm in his convictions. And this is a lesson to us, that you can often do the right thing and still have bad consequences. There are going to be times in your life where you can do the right thing and still be betrayed and wronged. Look at verse 17, what happens? She tells her master the same story. And here's what the story was. The Hebrew servant whom you brought among us came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garments beside me and fled out of the house. Now, notice, notice one, the, the, the echoing of the garden here. That servant that you gave to me. Who's that sound like? That's like Adam in the garden, right? Going, look at that woman you gave me, God. And then, now, notice now he's the Hebrew servant. He was so much more a little bit ago. But now she's going to downplay it, right? And so Joseph is taken, and he's thrown into prison. And we learn it's not just any prison. It was the one where the king's prisoners were held. And what likely seemed like a disappointment in Joseph's life was actually God's appointment for his life. But there was something incredible coming in the chapters ahead, and we see that all of this was sort of volleyed up in the air for Joseph to spike it down because he succeeded in suffering by standing in his integrity. He didn't indulge the sins that came around, but he stood firm in his convictions. If we give way to sin in the midst of our suffering, you might be might have pleasure for a season, but your despair will be multiplied. We talked about this Friday at our life group, that if you look back in chapter 38, the chapter before, it tells us that before Judah went on his little trip to Vegas, it says he was comforted in the death of his wife. Friends, you can receive supernatural comfort and waste it for momentary pleasures that fade away. True success begins, don't fret, fear God, don't indulge and live with integrity. And finally, through it all, we succeed in suffering when we don't sulk, we serve others. Don't sulk, serve others. Throughout this whole chapter, we see Joseph serving other people. He served Potiphar and managed everything in his house. He served Potiphar by not pursuing his wife. And all that he did for Potiphar, he even was probably serving the woman who was trying to tempt him and ruin his life. What a lesson in loving your enemies, isn't it? And we see that even in prison, Joseph was doing the same thing. Look at verse 21 at the end of the passage. Friends, he's gone from hero back down to zero. He's gone from top to bottom. He's gone from the penthouse to the prison. And what is he doing? Serving other people. And the Lord is causing him to succeed in the midst of it. Just as he had before, he gets right back to work. He doesn't even seem to stop and lick his wounds. He doesn't stop and sulk. He serves Joseph continues to do what he did best regardless of his circumstance. Let me tell you this. This is how you know there's a calling on your life. What would you do if you got the penthouse or you were in the prison? What skill, what would you offer, what would you do in both of those situations? Now, it might look a little bit different, If you had all the money in the world versus living in the prison. But friends, what you would do in both of those situations, that's a calling on your life because it means you'll do it regardless of what you get out of it. And Joseph's calling here is rooted in generations of promises from God. I want you to recall all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, God appeared to Abraham, who's Joseph's great-grandfather, And here's what God promised to Abraham. He said this, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great so that you'll be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And to him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Notice the promise. Abraham, his wife was barren at the time, was going to give birth to a nation. We're now four generations in and there's 12 children of Jacob. That's not quite a nation yet, but, but the promise is growing in the womb, right? We see second that Abraham's line would have a great name and he'd bless the nations around them. And what do we see Joseph doing? Blessing the Egyptians. All the nations around them were blessed. God was with him, showing steadfast love and favor, and God did not leave him in the prison. In fact, it says God was with him in the prison, and we learn that the prison was actually part of the promise. And that can often be the case in your life. If success is defined by money, influence, or recognition, then Joseph lost it all. But in Joseph, we see what true success looks like. Even as he lost it all, there was one thing he could never lose. God was with him. And God was keeping generations of promises through Joseph's descent here. He may have thought this was a detour, but this was simply another stop on a new and greater destination. Did you know that there's never a detour in the destiny God has for you? It's all a part of the plan. He always is, as we read this morning, working it together for the good of his people. He's going to get it there. And next week we'll see that God is not punishing Joseph in this prison. He's actually preparing him for something incredible. And he's going to use this to even greater bless the nations and even to transform this dysfunctional family we've been walking with over the last several weeks. And God wants to transform how you define your life and the meaning of your life. I want you to consider the celebrities we saw at the beginning of the message. Friends, it's unlikely any of them will lose their power or riches anytime soon. Even if they decide to upset the culture and they get canceled, they still got enough money to go for a long time, right? But they all have a day when they're going to stand before a far more powerful and influential figure, God himself. And will they be able to lay down everything they've done and say, Lord, this was for you? Will God look at them and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will he say, depart from me, I never knew you. Let me offer you another picture of success. We've seen Joseph, but let me give you something a little bit more modern here. January eighth marked sixty-six years since Operation Aqua. This was a mission of five men. I think their photos are going to be up here in just a second. We see the five men there: Nate Saint, Roger Yodarian, Ed McCullough, Peter Fleming, and the most famous, Jim Elliot. And these men flew into Ecuador to reach this tribe called the Wadoni tribe with the gospel. This tribe was known to be violent. And friends, there were constant conflict between them and the U.S. government. These people had no access to the gospel, and their lives were being threatened. The U.S. government was about to go in because they kept attacking U.S. uh, forces that came in to, to, to take oil and resources out of their land. And as these men arrived, and after making contact, they were attacked and speared and murdered by the tribe. There's actually a lot more to the story. There's actually a movie and books you can go read all about this. But we, later on, their wives and their families continued to minister to this tribe. Imagine that. They've killed your husbands, your father, and they continued to work among this tribe. And yet today, this once unreached tribe is full of followers of Jesus. These men were martyred for their faith, and many would say, This isn't a successful life. And yet, Jim Elliott wrote a quote in his journal that captures the meaning of the Joseph story and also of true success. Here's what he wrote He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's a little bit of a quote to think about, but he says, You are not foolish if you give up something that you can't keep with you in order to gain something, that's never going away. True success in the Christian life is living faithfully to God wherever you are. Doing what God calls you to do, regardless of the personal sacrifices, because you have God, and that means you have everything you need. Don't live for lesser things that moth and rust destroy, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where nothing decays or dies. Joseph was driven by this truth. Jim Elliot and his friends were driven by this truth. And the word of God would call us to be driven by this truth, that he who has God has everything they need. And so are you living a successful life? Are you living for things that matter? The good news is that Jesus Christ came to live a perfect life and to die on the cross in your place and to rise again so that through repentance and faith you can be forgiven. And friends, the whole trajectory of your life can be transformed and you can live no longer for yourself, but live to serve the God in heaven. And he calls us to give up a love for things on this earth in order to gain eternal life that we cannot lose. And Jesus has made a way that we can live a truly successful life because it's lived in service to him. Maybe today you need a transformation in the trajectory of your life. Jesus stands ready to meet you right where you are and bring him and bring you to himself and transform the pathway of your life just like he did for Joseph and so many others. Friends, it may not mean freedom from the prison of life. And it may not mean the pains of death on an island by a spear, but it will mean a hope of a home in heaven. And friends, if you don't have that today, you can call out right where you are to Jesus, and he will save you and transform you. And for the rest of us who claim to know Christ, this is meant to be a reorientation of our priorities. We are called to live for something other than ourselves. And we hope, and we have a hope, friends, that's greater than Mark Zuckerberg has or Taylor Swift has or Tom Brady can understand. We have a message of Jesus, the hope of everlasting life. And we have a message that he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. Let's stand and let's pray together. Father God, there are temptations all around us to live for lesser things. There are temptations all around us to live for money that will leave us. To live for success that is fleeting. To live for the pleasure of the moment that might end up destroying us. And Lord, in the midst of wherever we find ourselves, some of us may find ourselves in the penthouse. And and there's a way to live successfully there too by fearing you and walking in integrity and serving others. But Lord, many of us may find ourselves in the prison, in the bottom, unsure of what you're doing or what you've called us to do. And in this moment, we're reminded that you have called us to continue on the path of fearing you and living with integrity and serving others, and making your name great. Lord, I pray right now for anybody within the sound of my voice who does not know you and has not tasted of the the treasure buried in a field in which a man would sell everything he has in order to have it. Lord, don't let us live for that which we cannot keep. Let us live for that which we cannot lose. And may you be honored as we worship together in this time. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. See I wanted to introduce you guys to Caleb and Rachel Sanders. They've been visiting with us for a while, but they have decided to take the plunge in to join with our family of faith. If you celebrate, there we go. Super exciting. I told them I wouldn't embarrass them, and so here we are. Here we are. Just to show them if you, if you, we're, uh, the great thing about joining with a church is you're not just joining with a family, you're committing to one another. And so I want us to show if you commit to love them, pray for them, be a family of faith for them, put, just put up your hand for them to see it. Look at all these people here you've got, right? I know y'all are new. Um, Kind of new to the area from Hopkinsville, but new to Katie's. Look at all your Katie's brothers and sisters we got here. We celebrate with them and are so excited. I actually have a couple of things I need to give you, but I didn't bring them up here with me, but that's okay. So I'll get them to you. But I'm going to celebrate uh, that decision, and I'm going to close our time together with a benediction, a blessing from God's word here from 1 Peter chapter 5. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you, his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen.